cost of victimless crimes is the police not being focused on real crimes. And so every minute that the police spend on bankrupting local businesses with lockdowns, mask mandates, or, you know, pursuing, you know, SWAT teaming poker games or, you know, writing tickets for, you know, not having a seatbelt or not having a motorcycle helmet or any of the other gazillion victimless crimes that politicians continue to put on the books. That's a minute that's not being focused on real crimes that really, really hurt people. Police don't want to be doing this. We already know they don't want to be doing this. A lot of times they don't know that they can say no. And so we're educating them what we can and we're supporting them and telling them the community doesn't want you to do this. The only people who want you to do this are these politicians. And the only group in society that is more despised than the police are the politicians. And so by going thick red line, the police can restore respect to the profession because everybody loves the police when they're protecting lives, liberty, and property. It really is only these victimless crimes that get everybody mad at the police. You're listening to Seeking and Speaking Your Inner Truth podcast. I'm Diane Kayser, a functional medicine practitioner, holistic health coach, breast implant illness recovery expert, author of Killer Breasts, non-toxic beauty queen, and founder of the Chi Holistic Health Institute. I'm joined by my co-host, Carmen Hunter, certified health coach, trusted health coach mentor, wellness practitioner, educator, and founder of the Institute for Functional Health Coaching. If you're a warrior or leader on a mission to transcend trauma and toxins and transform it into your greatest superpower, you are in the right place. This podcast will help you get right to the source of your symptoms today to get right to work on. How do I listen to what my mind, body, and heart are trying to say, and what action should I take now? Because when you do, you heal yourself, you heal others around you, and you heal the whole world. This is the most sacred work you will ever do, facing shadows, smashing fears, walking the messy and magical path back to you and the mission you came here to serve, and we are honored to be your guide. You ready? Let's go. Welcome back, seekers and speakers of Your Inner Truth podcast. So excited to have our guests on today. We've got somebody who's going to rally your mind to think beyond the lines that have been drawn for us on how we should color in the lines, starting from a very young age. We've got Howard Lichtman. Did I say it right? Lichtman. Lichtman. And we're going to talk about um, his thick red line project. Now that sounds like, hmm, what is a thick red line? It's something when, if you have heard Carmen in my episodes in our previous podcast, we talk about boundaries. We talk about how to be a boundary badass. We talk about boundaries that have helped us grow into courage and how to speak our mind with courage, with conviction, and with compassion all at the same time. So today we're going to talk about how this applies to you, and you can go back and listen to those boundary episodes. Those are great golden nuggets that you guys can all listen to and how we can step up and speak up. Those are very important. So today we're going to talk with Howard on his Thick Redland project. He's a president of the Human Productivity Lab a consultancy that helps world-class distributed organizations learn and collaborate at the speed of light. He has worked at one of the big four think tanks in Washington, DC, has worked on Wall Street, and has been an operating executive and board member of a number of technology companies and networking, telepresence, and visual collaboration. The Thick Red Line project came out of discussions with sheriffs, deputies, and police officers that didn't want to be enforcing victimless crimes or raising revenue on their friends and neighbors for politicians. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the term victimless crimes, but Carmen, have you heard of that term before? I have, I mean, a lot more lately (laughs) than in the past, but yes. What does it mean to you, victimless crimes? To me personally, victimless crimes, um, basically crimes that are occurring when there was no victim. I mean, when it didn't really, something that really didn't happen. Um, You know, George Floyd comes straight to mind for me. Um, It's one of the first people I think about when I think about that is it was a red flag immediately when I saw um, that video. I'm like, that doesn't even look like, that doesn't look real to me. Um, It almost looked like a, like a theater, looked like theater to me. That's what it means to me. Something that really didn't happen, but they're making look like it actually happened. I'm sure you'll be much more succinct than that. Yeah. And I'll add something before I introduce him on and ask our first question here. Um, victimless crime to me was about four months ago when my partner 
and I were going to go snowboarding and skiing. Sheridan's a skier. I'm a snowboarder. And Howard, we run away from Sedona to uh, Flagstaff to go to go play in the snow one day when it was snowing really hard. And we were driving under the speed limit. No one was around us except far away. And we flew off the road and went sideways and were off on the shoulder, completely off of the road. Um, no cop saw us, nobody saw us, but they, somebody ended up helping us, uh, um, you know, a nice Samaritan. And then about 30 minutes later, a cop pulled behind us. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. They came over to see if you're okay. Nope, he came over to give us a ticket for what? Like there's no victim. There was, you could, you didn't even see us fly off the side of the road. So my boyfriend had to fight it. He had to invest time, money, and energy to fight this. So it's a little bit ridiculous. That's my one recent example, but it, it continues to go farther and farther than that. But those are our two examples. Howard, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I always like yeah. to talk about my favorite topic. Yes. Which is, is it, wh what is your favorite topic of all the things we've discovered? Well, I mean, it really is, is, is that, the, that the police are being used to raise revenue on the population and they're being used as kind of muscle men for, you know, social engineering. The lockdowns are as an example. The mask mandates are an example. But it's also just, you know, and where, where, where I used to live in, in northern Virginia, the Fairfax County SWAT team very famously, uh, uh, you know, kicked in the door of a private poker game, a high stakes private poker game uh, above board. You know, they were just, you know, doctors, lawyers in a, in a city, you know, uh, called Great Falls. And uh, word of the game got out because it had a $20,000 buy-in and they would frequently host some of the guys from the, you know, world championship of poker and, you know, all the guys, you know, that you see on TV would regularly play. And so news of the game got out. And so the Fairfax County SWAT team, you know, kicks in the door with guns drawn. They come in and they, uh, they steal 40% of the pot under asset forfeiture. And this is only a couple of years after the Fairfax County SWAT team, uh, uh, again, somewhat infamously, I should say, instead of famously, uh, a, a Fairfax County police detective be befriended a local optometrist at a bar, uh, you know, struck up a, a fake friendship with him, and they began gambling on football, you know, just betting on football games. And once the detective had gotten the optometrist who had no previous criminal record over the $2,000 limit, which made it a felony, uh, they served a warrant with, they served a warrant uh, to arrest him or they came to arrest him uh, in an SUV full of SWAT officers. And the first SWAT officer out of the, out of the uh, vehicle accidentally discharges his gun and kills this guy dead in his driveway, in his pajamas and slippers. Oh. And so a victimless crime can be gambling. It can be, uh, you know, consensual um, uh, uh, prostitution between adults. It can be um, seatbelt violations. But in natural law, there's five transgressions. And so what uh, there's, there's murder, there's rape, there's robbery, there's, ex uh, there's extortion and uh, theft. And all of these are obviously real crimes because there is a victim. And so we want the police to be protecting people from real crimes and real victims. But when the police uh, use violence on overwhelmingly peaceful people that aren't hurting anybody, it makes the, the police the criminals and it results in things like these lockdowns and mask mandates. And so, uh, so uh, the whole, the thick red line movement came out of resistance to uh, the COVID. And so uh, I was in uh, California last year when the COVID hit and got together with a group of about, uh, about 10 people, 10, 20 somethings to 40 somethings that didn't really believe what the government was telling them about the lethality of the disease, the communicability of the disease. We'd gone in to, before this even happened, we'd gone into hospitals in what the LA Times called the epicenter of COVID in California, Santa Clara. And we on video found empty tents empty waiting rooms and hospital employees speculating that the entire thing was a hoax. 
uh, I went, I personally went through the testing, you know, process, get into the room with the guy doing the testing and I take off my mask and I go, Hey, I'm an investigative journalist and I'm trying to figure out, you know, is there really a pandemic going up here? And the guy gets up and he starts pacing and he looks very, very nervous. And, uh, and I, you know, ask him some questions. I say, are you guys experiencing any more death or disease than your, than the usual and customary seasonal influences and elderly deaths and pneumonias and things like that. And he told me flat out, no, he told me they weren't testing, you know, you know, they were barely testing anybody. There was nobody like coming in, you know, on a pandemic, but they had these tents outside and they were all pretending there's six employees dressed as in, in moon suits, pretending there's a pandemic going on and there's absolutely nobody at this thing. There wasn't a single person being tested the entire, we were there for over an hour. There wasn't a single person other than us you know, being tested, and we weren't even being tested. We're trying to figure out if the whole thing was a hoax. You mean yeah. those moon suits that that they, you know the big moon suits they've been walking people with their in their casket to where they're going to bury them and have a funeral? Those moon suits? I, you know, I mean, just full on, you know, uh, uh, full face masks, like like you know, like literally, it was it hazmat was suits. Hazmat like the ha- suits. Yeah. They were like hazmat suits. And we're just looking at them and, and, and you can, and as, as, as fake as you may think it was, it really, I mean, it just struck me like how fake the entire thing was looking at these empty tents and these empty, you know, these empty waiting rooms and these employees that look guilty. And then they, you know, the security came and you can see them on video, like, you know, throw us out and they wouldn't answer any questions. They wouldn't like, we're, you know, we're trying to talk to, there was a sheriff's deputy providing security and he, they wouldn't let us talk to the sheriff's deputy. And yeah. so then we went into Dominican Hospital in Santa Cruz. We found the exact same thing, empty tents, empty waiting rooms, literally tents flapping in the wind that, that after our video went viral in the area, they took down the next day. On YouTube? And this is right after Santa Cruz said, it's not the, the deputy public health officer said, it's not a matter of if we're going to run out of ICU beds it's when we're going to run out of ICU beds. Uh, we were there for months, and not only did they not run out of ICU beds, but they never had more than five people in the hospital, even using the fake tests for COVID. So we realized that it was a scam. We got together with 10, uh, uh, we, uh, myself and a, and, a, and a guy named David Rodriguez, uh, uh, who we attended a meeting of 10 kind of 20-something to 40-something friends in Santa Cruz who did just didn't believe like us didn't believe what the government and the media was telling them about the COVID. Uh, And we decided to help organize. And the next week we had 20 people and the week after that, we had 37 people marching through Santa Cruz bullhorns. It's just the flu people. It's just the flu uh, leafleting. The week after that, we had almost 400 people in a Facebook group and we began uh, regularly turning out 60, 70 plus people at peaceful civil disobedience events. Santa Cruz was closing the beaches at that time, and we would walk out 60, 70 people strong. We're reopening this beach, and we'd all walk forward onto the beach, and we would have a beach party. We had people that were surfing, and people that were playing guitar, and playing badminton, and it was all ages, and it was family friendly, and here come the police. And the police come and they're like, you got to leave this beach. And we're like, uh, we're not going to leave the beach. The government doesn't own the beach. There was never a point, a point in time where the government took over the ownership of something that, that you know, that is, that is kind of owned by all. And so we said, you know, we're not going. And you could, set, you could see that these police officers didn't want to be doing it. And they told us they didn't want to be doing it. They'd say, hey, look, we don't, we don't want to be enforcing this. They weren't wearing masks a lot of the time. They weren't, you, know, you could tell they weren't believing it either. And they're like, but what do you want us to do about it? And so I had a little bit of an epiphany and I realized. Great question. Yeah, I realized that they get fired if they stand up one at a time. Yes. And so the really, the, the thing for them to do was to say no collectively, to get together, to lock arms and draw a thick red line in the sand uh, that that they're not going to use violence on peaceful people for politicians. And so uh, the police have what they call the thin blue line, 
which they claim se separates civility from barbarity. And what we're encouraging them to do is draw a thick red line in the sand based on natural law and say, we're not going to use violence on peaceful people to either engineer society the way that politicians want or to raise revenue on their friends and neighbors. And so that's what the thick red line is all about. And that line that we're, we're suggesting they draw. And so if you're going to draw a thick red line in the sand, where is, you know, where should it be drawn uh, morally? Where should it be drawn logically? And so we're educating sheriffs, uh, chiefs, deputies, and officers about natural law, because you obviously, they obviously can't use politician law. If you use politician law, if you say we're going to use violence just because a politician wrote it down on a piece of paper, then you get fugitive slave laws, you get Jim Crow laws, you get sundowner laws, you get Nazi Germany. And so where is, what is the dividing line of morality? What makes a law a good and moral and just law? And we educate them on natural law, which has a thousand year plus you know, legal tradition across multiple civilizations. It's based on the golden rule, which is again, across multiple civilizations, everybody understands the golden rule. And so in essence, it's live and let live, do unto others and no victim, no crime. If, they, if it's not a real victim, if it's not a real crime with a real victim, then we're saying, please, you guys need to, you guys need to do the honorable thing and stand down, tell the politicians no, and if you're supported by the community, and that's the other thing we do is we provide support from the community and organize support in the community, then there's nothing the politicians can do if dozens or hundreds of deputies refuse to enforce victimless crime. It's game over for the politicians. So yes. we're uniting the people and we're uniting the police against the politicians. And that's the way that it should be. The police don't want to be doing this. We already know they don't want to be doing this. A lot of times they don't know that they can say no. And so we're educating them when we can and we're supporting them and telling them the community doesn't want you to do this. The only people that want you to do this are these politicians. And the only group in society that is more despised than the police are the politicians. And so by going thick red line, the police can restore respect to the profession because everybody loves the police when they're protecting lives, liberty, and property. It really is only these victimless crimes that yeah. get everybody mad at the police. I wanna stop here there for a minute because I wanna start making this applicable to each person and, 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 and looking into how it might have already been put into effect in some cities where you might be influencing this because in Sedona, you know, where, where I live, where I met you, is um, we have a lot of well-intending police there, at least I would say half of them. And um, in many cases, I've, I've asked some questions, like they've come to our events where we're doing freedom rallies and they're, they're like, we're just here to help you. reinstate mm -hmm. re re um, to preserve your freedom of speech. And I'm like, wow, you're here. You're here without a mask. Thank you for allowing us to exercise that. And I think it's because of the, your, your efforts, Howard, our, our efforts in Sedona, where we're, we only have 10,000 people there that live there, but yet we have like two to 4 million people who visit there every year. So that's a totally different story. Um, but for the most part, I think that they're starting to really get it. And, mm -hmm. and we look at places like Whole Foods, or we look at the last year and a half, or we've been enforced to wear masks or else you can't enter. Now, Carmen and I, and maybe Howard, different story. We're, we're saying, no, we're saying, mm -hmm. no, you can't make us do this. So it's like, this is the just what you're talking about. Sounds like the just say no campaign, not for consumers and for humans and for citizens, but for also the cops. And it's going to take them a lot more, um, I would say, concern about profit and making money and just paying the bills, because that's the same thing I got when I went to Whole Foods and decided to stop going. I, you know, no mask, no entry or no being shot in the head, no entry. And I said, you can take my, my temperature here in the wrist. You have been for six months. And there's, they say, well, you know, now we, now our new enforcement, we have to, to take it here. I said, so you're saying you want to shoot me in the head. No, we don't want to shoot you in the head, but we have to, it's store policy. So you're actually saying that you don't want to, but you're doing something that you don't want to, to enforce a law because what, because it's store policy. So it's the same concept for police. They're actually going against their own will, against their own value system, against what they thought that they became law enforcement to do to protect and serve 
they're going against their own morality. That's got to be demoralizing for themselves to feel that way. Oh, I agree completely. And that is what we saw. You know, that's what we saw in Santa Cruz where these guys would come out and they'd say flat out, we don't want to be doing this, but what can we do? And they get fired if they go against the politicians one at a time. And so that really this only card, if you, if they're moral, uh, the only card that they have to play is collective refusal supported by the community. And if they, if they refuse collectively and they're supported by the community, there's absolutely nothing that politicians can do uh, to, to, you know, to make them. And so it's game over, it's checkmate. The people and the police win, the politicians lose. And so that's what we're popularizing and that's what we're, you know, educating the, the police on, 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 you know, how to, how to remain a good honorable people and not the gunmen of dishonor, dishonorable, disreputable politicians. I wish I had, I wish that we had done this podcast a month ago because I have to tell you this exactly what you're saying is exactly what happened at our mass protest, mm-hmm. peaceful protest over a hundred of the moms and some dads and kids just trying to give the kids the last nine days of school without a mask on their face, just trying to give them something to celebrate before school ended. It was a very peaceful um, situation. We all had signs. Children were everywhere with their American flags. We had um, one security guard out the, outside the door, one cop on site. That was it. That was all. And one girl got a little bit excited um, and ran over and knocked on the window during one of our people's presentations. We weren't allowed to go in, by the way. They were full. Um, and she went over, knocked on the window and was just making some point and, and started and ran back away. That's all she did was knock on the window one time. And all of a sudden, 11 police officers show up to this protest with only 100 or less people. All of a sudden, we've got police coming up and trying to force the crowd away from the door. We were just standing on, on an outside concrete platform. That's it. Nobody Easily. was this is what happened. Right. And, um, and then, you know, they start, they start talking to each other. So the police are talking to each other, but none of them had a mask on. Okay. So we were, we were like, thank God for that. But here's what was interesting. And, um, I got chills are all over me when this happened, they had their conversations. The girl had ended up leaving anyway. We, everybody said, you just need to go like that. That was inappropriate. They came back up and the guy um, that was speaking for the sheriff's department said, we're all your children go to school with my children. We all we want is what's best for our kids. They're inside having a meeting. We need to let them have that meeting peacefully. All we're asking, we don't want to be here. This is not what we're here to do. We, we, we don't even want to think about what could be going on out in the world that we could be addressing that's more important than this. But he basically said, we're on your side. We're here. Our children are your children. This is what we want. We all want to get back to normal. You know. But he said, but this is the key sentence I'm getting to. He said, you know, it may be my ass later with my with my um, chief, but but I'm just going to let you guys stay right where you are. I'm not going to force you out of this little covered area, but just please, can you remain you know, peaceful? But he said it's it might be my ass later. Mm-hmm. Had I known what you guys are doing now, it, he would never. And they knew what you guys are doing and all of this information that you're out here sharing. I bet that conversation would never have happened and we would not have had more practically more cops there by the time the thing came to a close and then we had people. Wow. It was, it was unbelievable. Ele- to me. So 11 became more cops? 11, 11. I think the end count was like 13 or something like that. Started out with one security guard and one police officer. And within minutes of one woman knocking on the window, the story was, these people are unruly. They're, they're banging on the window. And I, and I have a video that it was just one woman. And I told the police, I said, listen, it was one woman that was very excited. That was all it was. Nothing got unruly around And here. meanwhile, we have rapes and homicides and murders and thieves yeah. able to run around doing what they're doing because suicide rates have gone up. You know, domestic violence rates have gone up. Yeah. And meanwhile, they are reporting 13 cops to an event yeah. that's peaceful. Yeah. So tell us I, a little I, bit I, about that. just yeah. nailed it. And I wanted to weigh in and, and talk about you know, the, the cost of victimless crimes. Yes. Uh, the cost of victimless crimes is the police not being focused on real crimes. And so every minute that the police spend on bankrupting local businesses with lockdowns, and mask mandates, or, you know, pursuing, you know, SWAT teaming poker games or 
you know, writing tickets for, you know, not having a seatbelt or not having a motorcycle helmet or any of the other gazillion victimless crimes that politicians continue to put on the books. That's a minute that's not being focused on real crimes that really, really hurt people. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, the, the, uh, by, by going thick red line, a department. So what we, what we're encouraging them to do is to go thick red line as a department. And it's easiest with the sheriff because the sheriff can just wave his uh, magic wand and say, we're not going to do victimless crimes in this department. And it's over. Uh, you know, the, you know, all of all of that tyranny ends with the sheriff. It's harder with police chiefs. Police chiefs work at the behest of the politicians, the city manager or a mayor or a board of supervisors or board of aldermen. So they don't have the same discretion that an elected sheriff has. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but if the sheriff and the police chief won't do it, then the deputies and the officers themselves can lock arms and say, hey, we're not going to do it. And that is going to save money for the taxpayer. It is going to keep uh, kids, uh, you know, out of for-profit prisons where in many cases they're, they're for forced to work as slave labor. It's going to break the back of drug dealers. It's going to break the back of, tra of human traffickers. Um, it is, there's so many good things that would come out of it, you know, uh, for the community and for the taxpayer that uh, that it you know that it, that it's overwhelmingly beneficial for the community. Really, the only people that lose out are either you know sheriffs and chiefs that are profiting from the drug war, or politicians that are trying to raise revenue on a community because they need to you know pay for these political promises and things that you know the community doesn't need. But uh, it really, really is. It's it's overwhelmingly beneficial for the community. Uh, the only losers are the drug dealers, the human traffickers, and the uh, and uh, you know dirty, dirty politicians and chiefs and sheriffs. Yeah, and we have those on our, to our um, school board commissioners. We have a couple of commissioners who's uh, they are they are profiting from keeping people locked up, profiting mm -hmm. from the testing. One of their wives is on some medical board. She profits from the hospital. Um, but it was interesting because he said, first thing you need to know is I am not from the police, police department. I am from the sheriff's department. He reiterated that mm -hmm. twice. He said, I want you to understand this. Very, very important. You understand that. Um, so can you can you just give us a like a 101 on the difference between the police department and the sheriff's department? So people who don't understand that um, can get an idea of why that's important. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, the, uh, the sheriff is an elected official and he doesn't have a boss except for the people. Whereas the police chief, like I said, works for uh, politicians um, and can be fired. And so he is he works at the behest of politicians. Um, he he has the ability to say, you know, we don't we're, we don't we're not going to enforce victimless crimes in this community, but he can be overridden by the politicians or the police versus the sheriff can't be overridden. And. Under our, our under the existing system of government, the sheriff can actually throw the feds out of the community. If the feds are operating in in your community, then then they're supposed to go and and get the, whatever whatever they're doing approved by the sheriff. And if the sheriff says, "Hey, no, we're not, we don't enforce those kind of laws," he can kick the he can arrest the feds, he can arrest the police chief, he can arrest the politicians. And so the the sheriff really really is the key. And so we're focusing, there's over 130 sheriffs that we've identified that have already said no to either lockdowns, mask mandates, or red flag laws. And so we've been focused on, on those sheriffs, uh, um, you know, uh, first, uh, but you'd be surprised at even, even among the sheriffs, how many of them really have never thought about saying no to the politicians on these victimless crimes. And so that's why we're, you know, we think that community support is so, so valuable. So on our Let's website. Talk about this. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Um, what does that look like? So I, 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 when we do podcasts like this, people say things like, well, this all sounds good, but when you start putting into action, they're afraid of losing their job, being thrown in jail, losing their, their ability to pay mm -hmm. bills for their family. So let's hear some success stories. You said there's 135 
sheriffs that have just said no. So what does that look like? Are they still sheriffs? Are they working for someone else now? Did they leave? Because we see these great videos. Mm -hmm. You know, I can think of one amazing, I think he was a sheriff. Do you remember Carmen, that one guy, um, good looking cop or sheriff, I can't remember. And he said, basically he can't do this anymore. And it went viral and he got fired and he was on, I, I can't remember who he was interviewed by, but um, he was basically saying, I can't do this anymore. This whole mask BS thing. Um, and he was, that's not why he did it, but he his was, name is Greg Anderson. Mm -hmm. And he right. was, yeah, he was a, he was a police officer in Washington state and he did a YouTube video in his squad car, in his uniform Yes, yes, and, yes, and was fired for pointing out the unconstitutionality and the immorality of the lockdowns and the mask mandates. And he was actually one of the, he was actually one of the, the, um, uh, the fact that he got fired led me to the epiphany and, the, you know, like they're, they're going to fire these guys if they stand up one at a time. The only really op chance they have is to lock arms and say no collectively because they will get fired if they stand up one at a time. And so his name is Greg Anderson and, and the community, you know, talking about support of the community. So the community raised almost $400,000 for him in a GoFundMe after uh, you know, after uh, uh, he was fired. And so this proves that the community doesn't want the police to be doing this. It's the, it's the dirty, dirty politicians that are the problem. And we're giving the, you know, we're giving the police and the sheriffs the ability to say no, because we're supporting them collectively. I'll yeah. give you some, some examples of what that looks like, but we've been walked in. We've had anti-mask groups and, and, you know, and anti-lockdown groups that have scheduled meetings with their local sheriff and have walked us in together where we go in with other, you know, members of the community that are representing, in some cases, hundreds of members of the community in Santa Cruz County. We, we had, we, there was a petition campaign organized, uh, where 2,500 plus, the last time that I looked, had signed you know, supporting it. So it's everything from petition campaigns to, to, you know, setting up meetings with your sheriff on our website, thickredline.org. We have a handbook and cards for cops. And the handbook is really, you know, for the sheriff, for elected officials that explain the benefits of going thick red line to the community and popularize the idea, explain natural law, explain that, that, you know, there is, that this is the denominator of is a law good or evil? You can't use politician law or you get, you know, sundowner laws and fugitive slave laws. Just because a politician writes it down on a piece of paper does not make it moral. And so, you know, we we like I said, we're it's part of it is an education campaign, and then part of it is just building support within the community. Uh, and so that's that's really, you know, that's really how you do it. Uh, and uh, at thickredline.org, we've got those handbooks and the cards for cops that will allow you to be effective in organizing support in your own community for the, you know, the sheriff, chiefs, the deputies, and the officers, so that they know that the community doesn't want them to be doing this, and that they, that the community has their back if they say no. And really, they want to hear that. Respect them if they say no. Yeah. And I they want to hear that. that too. They want to hear yeah. that. Yes. That's the first thing I say when I'm working with cops, because I have many times, I think this is, we need to stop fearing the cops and treating the cops like they're people because they're people just like us. And they actually went into their career. I would hope to think that the majority of them went to protect and serve, not mm -hmm. to um, lock down and, um, and incarcerate. So remember the time Carmen, you and I talked about this in one of the episodes is when we went to Crystal store in Flagstaff and I was with Sheridan and his daughter and I, I wanted her to see what it looks like to stand up to two people who try to mandate the masks, even though we have a medical card, even though we should even need to, we shouldn't even need to do, you know, fight for a right to breathe. And when the woman overreacted, called the cops and the cops, the cop came into the Crystal store, we'd already left by that point, but Sheridan saw the cop and he said, hold on a second. And the cop came um, to, and said, hey, is there something going on in there? And did you know what happened? And we said, yeah, we walked in without a mask and we have mandates. We have, we have mask mandates that say, or, or mask exemptions against the mandates that give us the ability to breathe. We have a, a doctor's note. This is the ADA. We educated him. And he said, no, the, the, these, the store has a right to enforce their own policy. And then we went through the questions. 
does that store own the property? Do they own the land that they're operating this business on? And he said, that, sh- that doesn't matter. And so we knew our rights. So it's important that we all know our rights and know how to speak to the cops because they don't even understand this themselves. So Sheridan handed him one of your cards, Howard, mm-hmm. and said, read this. And he refused to read it. He said, please read this. We, if you read this, then we can start to do this work together. And he said, thank you. I'll read it another time or whatever and put it in his pocket and walked away. And Sheridan said out loud and said, if this was against the law, would you not think, because everybody was watching us, would you not think we would have handcuffs on and being walked into his car at this point? I was like, damn, babe, that's a good point. So Howard, he tried, you know, this is, I think what we all need to do. We all need to carry these cards. Do you have any with you by the, by chance? Uh, I don't have any within, uh, Sheridan. within reach. Can you bring but- Howard's cards to me right now? I want to show them because this is what I think we all need to be walking around with because it, it, it starts a conversation mm-hmm. and it's, it's not about getting convicted. It's about, you know, starting a conversation with compassion. So Howard, you know, if these people, if these cops start saying no, you know, and if here are the cards, by the way, this is what they look like. So carrying these look around. The other side over. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. That's easier to see. Those are nice. And it educates okay. them. Yeah. So let me, can I ask you a question, Howard? Um, So, you know, getting back to Diane's original, you know, action step, like what do we, how how do people take action? Would it be more beneficial for, I'm interested in taking this to our sheriff, by the way, because they Mm -hmm. refuse, they, they've been told um, the, that they will not respond to um, people's, the business calls in and says, people are in here without a mask. I want you to come down and arrest our, our sheriff's department won't go. They've already said, we will not, Mm -hmm. Um, we're not going to, you know, go to those things. Would it be more beneficial for, for Joe Public, me, to go to the sheriff's department and or you know reach out to them and introduce them to your website and what you're doing, or would it be more beneficial for um, for me just to to make a meeting with them? Like, how does the general public who wants to bring this to their community just quick steps easier to make a call, make a meeting, or how do we do that? Because I'm interested in doing this. The, the absolute best thing is to get an in person meeting with the sheriff. Okay. Um, with any community groups that that you feel would be aligned with you, yeah. So that it's not just you, but it's it's community organizations that are supporting the sheriff to say no. Yeah. An in-person meeting, um, like I said, on the hand, we we've got handbooks that explain the benefit to the sheriff, the benefit to his deputies, the benefit to the chief, the benefit to his officers, and the benefit to the community. And we have sold and distributed over 1,400 of those handbooks. And we have sold and distributed almost 20,000 copies of the Cards for Cops. There's over 20,000 Cards for Cops out there. And we know that the police are getting these left, right, and center from a variety of different people. we can help in the sense that if you if you contact us over the website and say, hey, you know, we've got a meeting, you know, with our with our local sheriff or our local police chief, uh, we've had people that have you know gotten an in person meeting, and once they get into the room, they bring us in over speakerphone, throw their cell phone down on the table, bring us in on speakerphone, and we've been able to have a very very productive you know conversation with sheriffs and chiefs and and you know and so those are. Those are the main things that you can do if you want to really be a rock star and you really, really want to organize the community, then uh, then contact us. We've got a planning call where we can help you get organized. We can help you create a website that hangs off of our website. We can help you uh, create a petition campaign. We can help you crowdfund it. We can help you in, uh, you know, in, in devising a strategy of going after the local uh, uh, the local council. One of one of uh, one of the directors of the organization is a guy named Dave Austin. He is an elected alderman, a five-time, sorry, six-time elected alderman in the city of Virgins, Vermont. And he says flat out, he's like, I don't want our officers wasting their time on crimes without victims. I want them focused on the crimes that have real victims. And so the smart. Uh, elected, you know, the uh, the smart uh, um, elected officials are realizing, hey, this is costing my community millions and millions of dollars. We're wasting time and resources and the and the population's money. And so, 
So uh, we'll teach you, you know, how to interact with the media. We'll teach you how to interact with uh, elected officials, and we'll help you get it over the goal line uh, if you want to be one of our community ambassadors. Okay, that's good information. So let we me do have a couple of groups here. Yeah, uh, we have yeah. Uh, freedom groups here in Hamilton County. I think that would be very interested in this. Yeah, I think so. It sounds like is step one for Carmen or anybody is to get material from you, Howard. Go to thickredline.org. Is that right? And then get, okay and then step two would be to gather people from their community and maybe like Carmen, you'd have an event to say hey let's you know reach out to some people that you know who are already part of your you know your freedom family and say let's get together i have a focus group so that we can start aligning um with the leaders in the, our city our, our our state even at some point what by asking to meet with what would be step three a sheriff so it sounds like mm -hmm. you know strength in numbers howard how many people would carmen need to have which you know maybe 10 people or so to have a meeting or how would that look you know, would like like you know what we did we, what we did in santa cruz started with 10 people it, the next week we had 20 the next week we had 37 and the next week we had almost 400 people in a facebook group and that group is still going on today uh this week is the, the their anniversary they've had 52 liberty bonfires uh, one of the members of our group, while while everybody else was like locked in their house and all miserable, I remember, you know, one person in our group kind of said something to the effect, he's like, he's like, man, my social life has improved over the COVID, you know, that, you know, like my, my social life has actually improved over the COVID. We make it fun to resist. We make it fun to, you know, say no. Um, there's probably already an anti-mask group. If you've already, if you're already in a group, then, then what we can do is we can give your 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 group a tool where you can hey now let's re-energize them let's go after let's go directly after the sheriff and the chief and let's get them on board in a way that makes you their friend and really turns the 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 ire of the community towards the politicians who are the real problem and unites the people and the police against the politicians. And that's the way to do it. That's how you win. That's how you checkmate the politicians. The, the police are not the ones making the laws. Mm -mm. They just need to understand that they can say no to the ones that are immoral and illogical and that are harming the community, costing the community money and creating all of this uh, uh, racial and societal division all of that is, like I said, the people love the cops when they're arresting murderers and rapists and robbers. It is only these victimless crimes that that are causing all of this racial and societal division because it turns the cop, it turns every traffic stop into a commando operation, and we get to search your car, and we get to do, you know, and and it's and it's you know, and it's raising revenue on the population with these usurious fines, and and it you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars for not wearing your seatbelt. And, and that's what gets the, the population mad at the police. And so, boom, the police instantly have the respect of the community back if they say no. Yeah. They gotta say no. They gotta stand up and be men and say, we're not going to use violence on peaceful people. So one thing I want to make super clear um, before we wrap up here is the sheriff is the gatekeeper, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, he's the gatekeeper. Um, and what the people don't understand is that they're that that they're there to work for us. They want to work for us. We elected them. They're there for us. It's it's. I think there's so much lost from the moment from from even the election booth to what these people actually do for us and what our rights are, um, you know, as citizens, and that they're here working for us. See, mm -hmm. before you explained it that way, I I never really separated that in my mind. You know what I mean? I never thought about them as separate entities. This does this and this does this. This makes it so much less intimidating mm -hmm. to even approach the sheriffs because clearly, I mean, our sheriff got in trouble here, but you know, he's like basically not in trouble, but he said, you know, I don't want to enforce this stuff. He was in the news and everything. So I don't want to deal with this kind of thing when this whole thing first started. So um, I feel like I we almost have a baby toe in the water on this already, you know? Yeah. Um, are you seeing people like sheriffs who are really standing up and saying no, that are still able to enforce what they believe in, in their hearts versus getting let go and getting fired? Are, are we seeing that there's some progress there where we're starting to swim in that direction? Oh yeah. There's one sheriff that we're in contact. One of my colleagues is in contact with Sheriff David Hathaway in Santa Cruz County, Arizona, not Santa Cruz, California, yeah, where, right. where I've been doing, you know, where I've been, where we did all the civil 
peaceful civil disobedience. But, you know, uh, sure, we were, I was listening to an interview with Sheriff David Hathaway the other day, and he was talking about that in a, in a field of five different sheriff's candidates, he was the only one that was against the mask mandates, against the lockdowns, you know, vocally opposed to it. Every single other one of the candidates was towing the line. And he won, not only did he win, but he won decisively. And so I think that the, you know, the media may make it seem like everybody's going along with the COVID and everybody's going along with the lockdowns, but that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing massive peaceful civil disobedience. We're seeing, you know, I've been, I've, I've been all over the country in almost every single county that I've been in, there is some organized group that is against the, the lockdowns, against the, ma the mask mandates, is getting people together, it's getting them fired up. There's way, way more, I think there's way, way more of us than there are on the other side. Uh, it's just the media is deceptively making it look the other way. But uh, I know, you know, I, like, you know, Sheriff David Hathaway is one example of an honest sheriff that is that is willing to stand up for the people. I know there's others that are out there. Like I said, we've got 130 that are either refusing lockdowns, mass mandates, or red flag laws. And so, so you know, I think there's way, way more support than people realize. Yeah, and don't be afraid to talk with them, you guys. I mean, I have, I have formed relationships with about five of the officers in Sedona. Um, I am on a text relationship with the, with the sheriff. Um, and I don't know the chief, but the chief has been emailing me as well. Um, so I, I think that we're all human here and we, we, we can't forget that, that they're no higher than us. You know, we, we have all been taught to fear any kind of law enforcement. We've been taught to pedestalize doctors. And this has all been part of the plan for a very long time. They're human, just like us. And it's not that they're, that they're bad. It's just that they've been put into a, a toxic system. So when I first met Howard and I started and I heard his passion and his, and his purpose behind all of this, I was like, okay, so it's really more about defund, defending instead of defunding the police and befriending the police because they want to protect and serve. They, they don't want to um, do what they're doing right now. And I think that as long as we have some, uh, some people that have already pioneered this and we've seen proof that it can happen, that we can come together then why are we not all doing this? Because guess what the next step is? I mean, Howard, what's the next step? If we can't get this all wrapped up and, 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 and start to work with our law enforcement, what is the next thing that they're going to kick the door down about? It's going to be vaccine passports and it's going to be mandatory vaccination and it's going to be full-scale tyranny. Yep. And if the police and the sheriff's deputies don't want to go along with it, then they need to draw a thick red line in the sand and they need to say no right now. And the yeah. logical place to draw that thick red line is no victim, no crime. It's using natural law as your denominator of is this moral or not. Don't just do it because a politician tells you to do it. You have the ability uh, to think for yourself and you have the ability to understand is this moral, is this, you know, is this just? And you have the ability to say no and the community will support you to say no. The final thing is you mentioned that the police chief in Sedona, I'm trying to get a meeting with him and he refuses to meet with me. And so if you could pass this video along to him, you know, I'd like to meet with him. I'm working on getting a meeting with Sheriff David Rhodes as well. And so uh, I've been traveling a lot. I'm in Portland, Oregon right now. And so when I get back to town, I'd like to meet with both of them. I know. Talk about how that they can regain the, you know, the respect of the community, how they can save the taxpayers millions of dollars and how they can just make it clear that we're not going to have any mask mandates and, and we're not going to bankrupt local businesses and we're not going to be enforcing any vaccine passports or any of this nonsense coming yes. out of Washington, D.C. Also defending our ability to own a gun. I know like our sheriff, I love our sheriff. Sheriff Rhodes is amazing. I've had several conversations with him and I can feel his heart through the phone. So yeah, I, I feel I hear nothing but good things about Sheriff Rhodes. Yeah. I'm excited to meet him. He's great. And so I, my whole intention is not just for sheriffs and, and, and officers that we know in Sedona, but also everywhere. Like we, we have a heart for these people and we want to connect with them and we want to link arms. You know, one of the things that you said is link arms, link arms for the lockdowns. We yeah. have to come together on this because they're going to be next and they're going to hate their job even more if they're going to be forcing, if they're going to be forced to bust down our doors because we haven't been jabbed. I mean, that is what's next. We have to see all of this right now, 
as the signs before the storm. Yeah. I know they don't want to do that. So yeah. Howard, thank you so much for bringing this all together. This is, it, it is so powerful. And, and truly, this is not just about Carmen and Diane and Howard standing up. We created this video so that all of you can come together. It doesn't need to be super arduous, but like Howard said, this is how we find our people. Because yeah. every time someone gets thrown in, in jail for a victimless crime, it's like $10,000 to we, the taxpayer. That's what that's what's in it for you is you'll have to pay less taxes for victimless crimes that are, are just unreasonable or victimless tickets or whatever other you know money collectors that they're that they have to um meet their quota on every single month. So I'll say I'll say this too, just to wrap it up, is I've now in, in the community of Sedona, I've now spoken at an at, at at two or three events to hundreds and hundreds of people now. And I've not met one single person that supports the police enforcing victimless crimes. Not one single, and not one single person has 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 disagreed. It seems to be unanimous. Uh, maybe they're just not telling me, but uh, this is something that has appears to have the unanimous support of the community. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we're going to find across the board once we get yes. working on this. Yeah, it's so nice to meet you. So grateful for all the work that you've done. I mean, kudos. I, I the site is well done. You guys have dotted your I's and crossed your T's and um, you've done the work for us. You've done the heavy, heavy lifting for us. So it is up to us to, uh, you know, create the change we want to see out in the world. So thank you so much, Howard, for being with us today. Truly appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you, ladies, for doing what you do. We're all in it together and uh, appreciate what you guys do for Liberty. And we'll see you soon. We'll see you again. Part two. You guys on the Action Takers group, we're going to be diving deeper with Howard in the next month. So we're going to dive deeper into how you can take more action and as well as other topics that we didn't have time for today. So if this resonated with you, share this with your friends, share this with your people, share this with your freedom family and come back for part two, where we're just going to get straight down to business and we can start actually getting your pen and paper and putting action where our heart is into our value system. So thanks again, Howard, so much. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If this episode moved you and you're seeking community, courage, and clarity to help you take massive action now toward health, happiness, and freedom, we'd like to invite you to join our Transformation Tribe. Just go to dianekazer.com or carmenhunterhealth.com and click on Truth Tribe to join us, where you'll be reminded daily that your life has purpose, your story has significance, your dreams count, your voice matters, and you were born to make an impact. You've struggled long enough. The war is won. Your solutions are here. It's time to unlearn the lies, untether the prison bars, and unleash your sovereign soul so you can finally be free. See you in the group, Truth Seekers and Speakers, and remember, your intuition is your light, and truth always wins.